Hi, this is Chris Nessie from the Podcast PD Podcast, a proud member of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to right now. The opinions expressed are those of the individual hosts. Be sure to check out all the other great education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com and get ready because the learning begins in three, two, one. I don't, I'm not sure I know what's going on with you. And that's where I'm going to begin kind of the support from. And so being, you know, I think something as simple as just saying like, what do you need right now? Remembering to ask that is, is a great place to start if you have nowhere else to begin. Welcome to the Burned In Teacher Podcast. I'm Amber Harper, and the educators on this podcast are brave enough to share their stories of burnout with the world. On BIT, we get real, we get honest, and we take action. Action against the burnout with stories from burned out teachers, advice from experts, and actionable steps you can take today to beat the burnout and become a happier, more fulfilled human being. Let's get started. Hello, Burned In Teachers, and welcome to episode 31 of the Burned In Teacher podcast. This month's theme is trauma in my classroom and life is burning me out. And this podcast, as always, is one part burnout and all other parts action, inspiration, and support for teachers dealing with burnout. Last week, I shared with you my interview with Alina Aguilar. She shared with us how important it is to be reflective of our disposition and how important it is also to be resilient and to place importance on the resilience and how we can grow in our profession from the struggle. My hope for you, as always, is that you took a lot away from that episode. So what is it that you took away? What is it that you are using in your life now? Did you know that you can jump into the Burned In Teacher Facebook group anytime and you can share with us any images or any thoughts, questions, frustrations, or struggles that you're having so that we can wrap our arms of support around you. Go to facebook.com slash groups slash Burned In Teacher to share how you are becoming resilient against the struggles that you're facing in your teaching career. Today, I'm talking with James Fester. James is a career educator who worked as a classroom teacher and an instructional coach in California for over a decade. Currently, he works as a technology integration specialist at a 6 through 12 school outside of St. Paul, Minnesota, and as a consultant in project-based learning with the Buck Institute for Education. James is a National Geographic Certified Educator, a Common Sense Media Ambassador, and is a member of the 2017 Innovator Cohort from D.C. with me. So I got to meet him there in Washington, D.C. back in the summer of 2017, and he's also going to have a chance to share a little bit about his Innovator Project at the end of this interview. Before we jump into this interview, I'm so excited to let you know that this episode is brought to you by the Renew, Recharge, and Reignite Teacher Wellness Retreat that my good friend Kim Strobel and I are co-hosting together. This two-day retreat is your chance to step outside of the classroom and step back into your life. You'll learn tips, tricks, and techniques for injecting happiness back into your teaching practice and your personal life. You'll leave burnout behind and walk away renewed, recharged, and reignited with courage and confidence to face next year's challenges. You'll learn five happiness habits to increase personal and professional positivity, methods for fostering relationships with students and coworkers, how to accept your past journey and make plans for changing your future path, and ways to rebrand yourself as an educator and human being, and much, much more. 
It will be held June 10th and 11th in Nashville, Indiana, a beautiful and quaint town in central Indiana. And I have to tell you, seats are limited, so don't wait to register. Right now, Kim and I are offering a fast action bonus of $60 off of the standard ticket price if you register by April 15th, so don't wait. If you're listening to this episode after April 15th, don't worry, tickets are on sale all the way until the start of the actual retreat on June 10th, pending that there are still standard price tickets available. Check out bit.ly slash teacher retreat or burnedinteacher.com slash retreat to learn more and register. And don't forget to bring a teacher friend because that accountability is going to be critical as you leave this transformational event and move into your summer and eventually your brand new school year. Go to bit.ly slash teacher retreat or burnedinteacher.com slash retreat to learn more today. In this episode, James shares how he used his experience as a classroom teacher to support his wife, who is right now a first-year teacher in an urban charter school, dealing with many of the struggles that burned-out teachers from all over the United States are challenged by. He's going to share his perspective of what partners of teachers should know and can do in order to support the teachers in their life to prevent them from getting burned out. So this is definitely an episode that I'm going to encourage you to grab your significant other and listen with because this one is for them. Let's jump into the interview. All right, Burned In Teachers, I'm so excited to introduce you to my friend and fellow innovator, James Fester. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. So James has an interesting perspective that he wants to share with us today about his wife, who is a first-year teacher. But first of all, James, will you tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey as an educator? Absolutely. So I started out, as many folks do, as a classroom teacher. I started, uh, I taught uh, middle school social studies for about 10 years um, and absolutely thought that that was where I was going to spend my entire career. Um and only about like maybe five or six years in to my uh, classroom uh, career, I ended up getting into just finding my way into educational technology as uh, I kind of was just is something I grew up with. Uh, both my parents were public school teachers. And so there was a lot of like tech toys and stuff around the house that they would be using to get ready for their students. And so I kind of fell into it that way and saw some ways that uh, computers could enhance technology. And so I kind of gravitated towards it, found out very quickly that not everybody had that same skill set that I did, just as if you tried to put me in a math classroom, it would not have gone very well, but computers were something I could do. And so um, I had that strength and I was a resource to a lot of my colleagues who eventually um, decided they wanted me to become kind of, they wanted me to be that in more of a formal role. And so I ended up getting into uh, educational technology and then eventually coaching with PBL. Um, which was another kind of passion of mine that I ended up um, getting hooked up with the Buck Institute for Education. I'm a national faculty member for them and really enjoy um, enjoy just as much as I enjoyed the classroom with students, enjoy getting a, being able to support teachers so that they can then in turn go back to their classrooms and do just some rock star stuff. Um, it's, it's been great. Um, I'm currently, I was in California and I live in St. Paul and work at a uh, private school just outside of the city, uh, just doing that with um, some really amazing people and getting to work, uh, not in the classroom, but fairly close to students just about every day. So it's it's been really great and I'm um, really excited to 
tell you a little bit more about it as we talk here. So yeah, yeah I was going to ask, um, I've heard of the Buck Institute, but can you help me and the listeners understand exactly what it is? And maybe I can include a link in the show notes too, about oh, what exactly fabulous. this is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, so the Buck Institute for Education is a California based nonprofit that has been around for over 30 years, um, and is more or less, uh, not the only by any stretch of the imagination, but definitely a leader in the project-based learning movement. Um, we provide professional development services to teachers, districts, administrators, all sorts of different people who want to learn more about student-centered project-based learning and shift um, either their schools or their individual practices over to a, to a PBL model. Um, we hold a, If you can't get us in your school district, we hold, we hold a couple of really great events um, every year. We uh, Summits, we do one in Napa Valley, which is a horrible, horrible place to go do professional <laughs> development in the summer, as you can imagine. Oh, um, I'm sure. That, yeah, that's one. Uh, PBL World, which is a fabulous place to go and just not just learn um, from our really great facilitators, but also just connect with teachers from all over the U.S. that are doing PBL and have a lot to share themselves. Um, I really love doing it, and one of the reasons I love doing it is because when I go and I facilitate, I come away with things that I've learned from the teachers in my sessions um, that instantly better the people that I work with back in my own school or that I can apply to my own practices. And so it's like it's a really just fabulous um, opportunity. And there you can check out the website, which you'll put the notes. It's just BIE.org because we have a lot of just free uh, resources that people can just get off the website as well. And and if they like it, they can always reach out and ask for more. So that's a, it's a great little organization, which I love to be a part of. So That sounds amazing. Yeah. So yeah, I'll definitely put that information in the show notes. <clears throat> so James, can you do me a favor, please? And I know that you would really like to talk about your wife as a first year teacher, but I'm really yeah. curious about you and a little bit more about your journey of whether or not you feel like you've ever gone through burnout and what it is that you've done to solve it. Yeah. So, um, I do have some experience with that. So I was very fortunate that my first couple of years, um, I had a lot of things that at the time I took for granted. Um, well, I, I, I took for granted in the sense that I appreciated them, but I don't know if I, I realized until recently how much I, um, I really benefited from the situation I found myself in. So, um, I had a really supportive principal, um, who, picked little old me out of a field of infinitely more qualified candidates. And to this day, I'm still not quite sure why he did it. The faith that he had that I would do the best job out of all of these people, um, many of whom had been in classrooms for decades previously, and that I was a first year kid just looking for a job out of his credential program, that really kind of made me want to stick with teaching uh, or stick, stick, stick out when things got tough and make sure that I was doing my best because somebody had taken a big chance on me. And I certainly didn't want to take this person who I had a lot of respect for and had put all this faith in me. I didn't want to show them that they had made an error in picking the person that really, you know, just on paper should not have been picked. Um, it was a temporary position that I first got hired into. And after my first year, I was told that the school wanted to keep me, but they would have to piece together a job for me, which ended up my second year of teaching. I had four preps, two of which were not in my subject area. That was really challenging. And there were definitely some times that year that I felt as though this was like, is this really what I need to be doing? Should I be looking for other things? But um, again, really knowing that I was a part of not just having a great administrative team, but a really supportive grade level team, I kind of stuck through it. And that was something that really got me through my burned, almost burned out time. Um, when we switched administrators, that then it almost happened again. And so if I was going to 
give a piece of advice to any administrators that haven't been listening, I'm just going to, they really need to know that the support that I got from my, from my principal was like make or break for me mm-hmm. um, in, a, in, in a number of different ways. And it didn't, ha- it wasn't anything that I don't even know if they knew that they were doing it um, on purpose. You know, it was simple things like the door being open or if I caught, popped in and I said, hey, do you have five minutes? I would ask, but I always knew that the answer would be yes, that I wasn't turned away um, and I didn't take advantage of that I, that flexibility. So things like that were really instrumental in helping kind of shepherd me along through my career um, at the times that it was really tough. That was something that was really nice to have had and, and something I appreciate. That is definitely something that I've heard consistently <clears throat> from teachers that I've interviewed is how important the administrator role is in their journey because they've had issues, you know, where they've either not had a supportive administrator and then were given the gift of one or vice mm-hmm. versa and just how differently they viewed their career because of it. So it sounds like you you really had someone that you wanted to make proud and they were more of a mentor, it sounds like. Um, in your case. So the, you were really lucky because not all you know teachers, especially beginning um, first year teachers have. So let's dive into what it is that you'd like to talk about today. Tell us a little bit about uh, your wife and uh, what her current reality is and <clears throat> what it is that you would like to talk about. Absolutely. My wife, she is a first year teacher, but she's had a lot of other experience. So she did international education for some years, teaching in both China and uh, South Korea. She's done uh, outdoor education. She's done a lot of different things. She's done you know, subbing and she's uh, job shared or taken on a position that another teacher left mid-year. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of mixed experience, um, but it was her first time matriculating into an elementary position, which was her primary of study. But having, you know, there's so many different grade levels in her teaching fourth this year. It's, it's new, everything is new again. Mm-hmm. Um, I honestly, as a single subject teacher, I really don't know how elementary school teachers do it because not only do you get moved around a lot, but then you have to switch subjects several times every day. And I, I can't wrap my head around doing that. Like I thought it was crazy just teaching one subject to all of my students and repeating the same lessons five times. Like, I don't know how you prepare for that. So I, I'm constantly, I'm constantly in awe of how elementary school teachers do what they do and do it so well while still having time for other things. And um, having worked in an elementary school district, I understand the, the time commitment to doing it, not just doing it well. And if there's one thing that I would say about my wife, it's that she, no matter what it is, just good enough is not going to cut. That there's this, this work ethic that she was just born with that some people, I think, struggle their entire lives to find, that she wants to make sure that she's doing well by the people around her, even when things aren't, and if things aren't going well, she's going to try harder and harder. And I think that's a big part of what I'm seeing this year is that statistically we lose so many teachers in their first five years. I mean, it's, it's gotten a little bit better, but it's still, what's the, what's the latest study? I saw something like 42 to 45% mm-hmm. in the first five years, they'll find something else to do, which is awful um, and mm-hmm. inexcusable in a lot of ways. Um, and we talk a lot about that. Like I've talked a lot about that with just other people and other educators about what you know, what are the signs or what are things you can do to support people who are in danger of becoming that statistic? And I don't think that my personally, I don't think my wife is at that point yet, but I do see that the challenges that she is in her job, she's working in urban education, which is its own challenge for a lot of reasons. Absolutely. It's her first, she has a lot of people on her team that are very new as well. 
So that's a big challenge. And the school, while it's been it's established, it's been around for a long time, and there's lots of really great things going on there. There are definitely challenges that they have dealing every day with just resources, like any school, that their their resources are spread very thin uh, when compared to the task they have and the challenges they have. So these are all things that she, in addition to having to teach, what, seven subjects plus art or whatever, I don't know, like, not that art's not a subject, but just whatever it is enrichment. But it's on something else to prepare else. for. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She has to do all of the book ones and all of the messy ones and everything else. I mean, that's that's a lot for any one person to do. And um, every day it's a new, like, from here. So. so so, as her husband, what is it that you have noticed has been helpful to her? Or what have you noticed about her situation? What kind of advice do you have out there to, to offer to spouses of or um, significant others of these teachers that are first year and have so much on their plate? Yeah, that's right. I'm talking to you, significant others. So listen. <laughs> um, so I, I feel very fortunate. Um, and we were talking about this previously that because I have the education background, I think I get I get what it's like to a greater extent than I would if I come from another industry. And I don't. I, I sometimes wonder how would I be trying to process what I had no idea what it's like to be a classroom teacher. And I, I think that there are a lot of people that are in that place where. Um, unless you have a kid in school, which is that's a good point of reference in itself um, and not one that you should dismiss. But unless you've been in the classroom as a teacher and experienced that, and I don't mean like just doing a day or visiting because I know some people think that a day of shadowing and, oh, I've, I've got it. I know exactly what it's like. It's like, you know, I, I really don't think that's true. Um, it's the kind of the same thing. If I was going to job shadow a guy who is a steam fitter, which is something I have no point of reference about, there's no way on earth is. I would. <laughs> yeah, it's a thing. It totally is. They make good money too. Um, I have a, I have a cousin that does it, and he he makes very good money. But I know I would have I would not be able to say I totally understand your struggles, man. After one day of watching him do it, or or anybody else in their industry, I don't think there are many jobs where any I don't think any reasonable person would say that. And so, trying to be like, well, I understand where you're coming from, having just heard you talk about it or caught discussions with your friends or colleagues or whatever, or having picked you up after school and had to wait around for 15 minutes while you were finishing a meeting. Um, I don't think that's true. And I think it's something that being like, I don't, I'm not sure I know what's going on with you. And that's where I'm going to begin kind of the support from. And so being, you know, I think something as simple as just saying like, what do you need right now? Remembering to ask that is, is a great place to start if you have nowhere else to begin. Because um, that's been, and even for me, who has a little bit more, that's definitely something I, I've been making a very, well, what do you need? So you said figuring out what your partner needs is definitely uh, is something that we need to be asking. You know, what is it that you need? How can I help you? My husband asked me that yeah. several times um, in whenever I was going through burnout. And s- simply put, all I needed was someone to listen, you know, for most, for most of the time, because there were, there were things that he couldn't do. I just needed him to listen and to feel supported in what it was that I was going through. So she's really lucky to have somebody who, you know, like my husband is in education and can empathize with how hard it is to be a teacher. And I, and I definitely go the other way. I empathize with people who want to be a help Mm-hmm. And just don't know what the right thing is. And my wife having significant others or partners who are, mm-hmm. were educators or aren't get it right either. Um, one of the things and a problem that I have and something that I've had to kind of check when, when trying to be that supportive person at home is 
I have a tendency as somebody that when I see an educator in trouble, I want to problem solve it. Mm -hmm. I want to sit down. I want to reflect. Like I have this whole, like, oh, I have a checklist. I'm going to reflect and I'm going to do that. It's, it's like in my nature because that's what I do with people. When I see teachers and that are struggling, I do that. Now, there are times that that is what is needed. And there are times that that is absolutely the opposite mm -hmm. of what is needed. Sometimes they just want someone to hear them and to say like, oh, that, that sounds really hard. I don't know. Are you, are you a Parks and Rec fan by any chance? I am. I've not seen every episode, but I, I do okay. love Amy Poehler. <laughs> oh, yeah. She's hilarious. And I mean, now that it's on Netflix, it's just like asking to be binge watched. And there's this one episode <laughs> where two of the characters are having a struggle because one of them is a problem solver. And one of them, the one that has the problems is like, I don't want you to solve my problems. I just need you to listen. Mm -hmm. And that is that it was funny that that exact thing happened at a time where I was like, yeah, I need to do that more. And sometimes it's, it's as simple as asking, like after they, they let loose with everything that's happened in their day, say, so that sounds really tough. Do you want to, do you want me to tell you what I think? And, and sometimes it's a yes. And sometimes it's a no. And you just got to be okay with that. So. Well, and something I've learned about coaching and not just coaching teachers, but coaching anybody and even kids is that the best coaches are just great listeners and they're great yeah. at asking questions. So, mm -hmm. um, and that's one thing that I tried to do on this podcast is just ask questions because sometimes just asking questions sure. and letting them talk themselves through it sometimes is the most helpful because they come to that <clears throat> conclusion themselves. And yeah. as you know, as an educator, that's what we want students to do. We want them to come to their own conclusions based on their own feelings <laughs> and their own goals. So that, yeah. So what you're saying is dead on with, with what I have learned about, about coaching and, and, you know, you have to sometimes coach your spouse through, through things. <laughs> Yeah. So that's excellent. You also said that um, something else that another piece of advice would be to be prepared to take on more tasks related to oh, the yes. home. I think that is such a great piece of advice. Can you tell mm -hmm. me more about that? Absolutely. One of the things that's been a big shift and I, I, again, knowing kind of first year and understanding that and seeing what she was going to be going through when my first year of teaching I was like just out of school. I didn't really have any personal attachments or any um, responsibilities except to myself. Mm -hmm. And I remember that a lot of times I would come home and if I had a really great idea, I would just work, 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 work through that. And then before I knew it, it was 11 o'clock or 12 o'clock at midnight and then I would go to bed. Now that's not really an option for a lot of people. And it's definitely not been an option for um, my wife who, you know, we need, you know, now I need to get my sleep and I'm not ashamed to say it that like, if I'm not in bed, if I'm not in bed before 10, I'm, I'm a wreck the next morning. I can't pull these all nighters anymore. Mm -hmm. Just not that, Same here. That person. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Knowing that you need to free up the time where you can or trying to find ways of doing that. One of the ways that I've found is just, you know, um, although a lot of what we did around the house, just terms of like house type tasks were mm -hmm. kind of shared between us already. They, they definitely were more even keel, knowing that a lot of more of that's being heaped on is going to be not heaped on, but it's going to have to be taken up by me packing lunches, which, and this is going to sound really ridiculous, but I've always hated to be responsible for packing my own lunch. <laughs> Even when I was a kid, it was something that was a struggle for me and I have no idea why. Um, but it's now something that that's what I'm, that's another thing that I'm doing. Because even though it's not a big deal, and this is like, it's 15 minutes to pack a lunch. So again, I kind of feel embarrassed saying that I really don't like doing it and it's something that I've always struggled to do because it is so simple, but that 15 minutes can make a big difference to somebody who is coming home and planning their brains out for the next day. Um, the same with things like laundry or trying to make sure that pets and children and everything are fed and taken care of. Um, those are definitely things that when you can find that time, just 
realizing that some of those responsibilities that may have been more evenly distributed earlier mm -hmm. are now going to be put more heavily on, on you. And also realize that it may not be like that for the entire year. Right. There are definitely ebbs and mm -hmm. flows to it. You're not going to, it doesn't necessarily mean like, well, this is, you know, you, you're, you're in charge of the watering the garden for the next year. That's not necessarily true. There are ebbs and flows to school years. It gets crazy busy during conference time and grading time. Mm -hmm. Then it can kind of chill out a little bit. And then there are definitely things like breaks that come into it in school, professional development days that the planning is not as crazy. Um, to say nothing of the fact that after the first year, it really does start to even out and get easier because Absolutely. you're no longer creating as much as you're refining curriculum. And that's a much less demanding task. But there's always going to be grading and there's always going to be, you know, assessment data that needs to be put out to parents and stuff. So but just being be, realizing that where you can where you can take things on in minutes, it, it pays off. I would say almost I feel like double. In a way. It does. It's totally true. <laughs> so to have a husband come on here and talk about sharing those responsibilities rather than a wife coming on and saying that the responsibilities need to be shared. For all of the Burned In Teacher man fans out there, um, if you've not considered asking for support with things at home or asking your wife if she needs or he needs um, support at home with, you know, how busy we are as educators and, and all of you uh, women out there who have, you know, significant others at home, if you've not stepped out and asked for more support at home to keep that balance, because I really stress that home, that life, uh, work-life balance, it's really important that, again, you go back and ask for what you need because yeah. assuming all of those responsibilities after school on your own is not only not fair, it's it's not doable. It's not something that you can keep all of those balls in the air all mm. of the time. So um, yeah, I love that you brought that up as a husband, um, that, that you <laughs> want to support your yeah. wife in that way. Yeah, and I, and I think that there's – a qualifier would also be it's not an every night thing. Like mm -hmm. I don't want to give uh, the wrong impression that like I've, I'm super husband and I'm doing all these things and it's like, you know, I'm taking care of all of the housework and all that. That is absolutely not the case. I mean, and I don't think that that's what's needed. And I also think that there are some nights like for me, like I come home and if I, you know, I'm working in, in an educational environment too. And mm -hmm. for, you know, I've got a, a presentation that I have to give or a, a PD that I have to lead and I come home and I'm like, okay, tonight, like, what do you need from me? Because mm -hmm. I've got to go lock myself in that office and get ready for tomorrow. And that there is that receptivity on both sides. It's like Absolutely. she's very understanding of like, you know, well, maybe I'm going to pack your lunch tonight. Yeah. And, and it's, <laughs> which is fantastic. And I love it when she does that. But um, it, it is definitely something that I don't think you need to just kind of shrug and, you know, and slouch your shoulders and be like, okay, well, I guess I'm making the bed every night for the rest of my day. It, it's, it's, it really has not been that case for us. But just I that idea, that, yeah, that idea of a shared space, you know, that we share the responsibilities, yeah. we pick up where the other leaves off. You know, my husband typically mows the lawn, but there are times when he's really busy and he asks yeah. me to do it and I'm happy to do it, you know, and vice versa with other things around the house. There are things that I yeah. typically do. It's not considered, quote unquote, my job, but it's just something sure. I typically do. And there are times when he has to do it because there's just not enough time in the day for us to do everything. So tell yeah. us a little bit uh, about your next point, which is... um to make time to process the positive. I yeah. love this. I talked about this uh, last week uh, whenever I was outlining the three types of burnout about how we need to change our language and process the positive sometimes. So I'm interested yes. to hear your your <clears throat> perspective on this. 
Yeah. And I'd also say that for people that are like, well, I just, the whole, I don't know if I have all this time or I have a really busy job too. I, I'm the, the biggest bang for your buck. If I was going to say anything is not just making sure that you're being receptive in the way that the person needs or that your partner needs in terms of, do you need problem solving or do you just need to vent? Like that's, I think that's the easiest thing. And it's also the one that starts off. It's like a good starting point. Mm-hmm. I think the one that is the most beneficial. And and this is also coming from me as well, um, from my personal experience, that educators are, we're like, as a a group, we are fatalists. We are so good at remembering things that either didn't work the way we wanted to, or a day that's a disaster day, or like the kid that was just so mean in class and so difficult. We're really good at talking about that, especially in groups. Mm -hmm. We're really not as good at looking for the things that went well. We either, and I don't know what it is, but, and, and, I, and I feel pretty confident in saying this because I've worked with a lot of different, in a lot of different places and with a lot of different schools. And we, we you, you, you and I have a very large PLN with our innovator network. And I think, I think a lot of them would agree that teachers are just really good at remembering when things go wrong and not necessarily when things go right. Mm-hmm. It's the same with, they always tell you to catch a kid doing something right, not just doing something wrong. Yes. It's really easy to catch them when they're doing something wrong because mm-hmm. there's something about that feeling that, man, ooh, you feel that a lot more sometimes, which is kind of sad. And maybe not everybody's like that, but I feel like in general, that's a pretty fair observation. Um, finding time to just and making sure that you're making a point of not just having them share what went wrong in their day or why they're frustrated, but things that went right. Right. Um, I found that when I sat down and reflected on a bad day, or I sat down and I lead a teacher through a reflection as part of my coaching, or I sit down and I just ask my wife, like, hey, how'd your day go? Mm-hmm. That the bad stuff definitely comes out. But then when you go back and say, well, wait, wait, wait. So you said that lunch was really bad and lunch didn't go well today. And lunch is like at 12 o'clock. How did the rest of the morning go? Oh, morning meeting was fine, and they really loved the book that I read. And math lesson, it wasn't great, but it wasn't awful. And then art went fine, but lunch was just awful. It's like, okay, wait, pause. (laughs) That is like a 45-minute, not even, a 30-minute portion of your day. And you just said that this three hours was great. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, and and, and sometimes just pointing that out is enough to be like, oh, yeah. Okay, maybe it was fine. Yeah. Oh, then this other thing was bad. It's like, and it's fine. You don't have to dismiss <clears throat> that you, you're the way you're feeling. It's not like I say, well, I'm sorry, but the way that you're acting versus the fact that this one bad thing happened is just ridiculous, and you need to hold, just change this whole thing. That's not it at all. It, it's really just about saying, like, remember that there are things that are going well too, and that you had this great interaction with this kiddo and. And those are things you need to take into account when trying to decide, have, are, you up, are you up to here or are you only up to here? Mm-hmm. Um, and it definitely also can just help because like, uh, it, it can help as, a, as a, just a communication mechanism in general. Not instead of making a snap judgment about that a day went horrible and as a result, I'm a horrible teacher or a day right. went bad and as a result, I'm a bad tech coach, which I think you're really, it's really easy to write somebody off. Like you write yourself off especially because in education, I mean, we throw our hearts into this. We care deeply. We realize like if we screw up, we're screwing up some kid potentially. And oh my gosh, how could, you know, I, I, you know, it, it's, there's like high stakes involved. We're it, pretty like, hard on ourselves. We are. And I think that we need to take it back a notch and realize that, you know, a lot more goes well than doesn't go well. And that was maybe your perspective. Like mm-hmm. you may have thought the lesson went completely the way it shouldn't have, but how did the kids feel about it? There are a lot of things to consider. And so really taking time to process it, especially mm-hmm. processing positive points 
I think can really change how somebody can feel about not just their job, but like just their entire day in general. I just ask like, tell me a silly kid story. Yeah. Like what's something funny that happened? And I mean, you look, you, you're, you have a classroom of fourth grade because you yeah. can't tell me that something ridiculous or silly <laughs> didn't happen. That's a good way of just maybe breaking the ice. You don't have to like go through the entire day minute by minute. Just like, well, well tell me if I want a funny kid story when you get home today, tell me or a funny coworker story. And then yeah. at least it lightens it up a little bit and shows a different side of it. Yeah. Some people like to go through like a sale and a fail. So what was, what was something that you failed at today? You know, let's acknowledge it. But now let's talk about a place where you really sailed. You know, what went really, really well and ending it on a positive note, getting them a chance to, to vent out their frustrations, but then bringing it around to that positive. So uh, tell me about making sure to create opportunities for life outside the classroom. This is a big one for me. I'm, I'm such a huge proponent yeah. of, you know, creating those boundaries between life, and, between life and work. Yeah. Well, and, and most, most people, include, you know, most educators know that there's always something to do. There's a lot of jobs that are like that. Education, being a teacher is absolutely one of them. There's always something else to do. And it doesn't matter how much you work. It doesn't matter how fast you grade. It doesn't matter how good of a cleaner you are in your classroom or good at setting up activities. Like one of the things that we're trying to, that I'm, we're, my wife and I are both trying to be better at this year is making sure that we're setting aside time to do some, to, to enjoy our lives and do something with love. In education, like many other jobs, there's always something else to do. It doesn't matter how much grading you get done. It doesn't matter how quick of a lesson planner you are. There's always more work to be done. You're never going to get to the end, the, the end of that in basket. And so mm-hmm. finding time to specifically do something you enjoy mm-hmm. is going to A, create a barrier through what could otherwise just be a, an incredibly difficult slog. Because if you work all week and it's a tough week, and then you work all weekend planning and grading, and then you go back in on Monday, you never had a weekend. It just no. didn't happen. Even if not, even if all of your weekend isn't dedicated to work, you got to have something there to provide a block or a, a divider for the time. And so we've been really trying to make more of an effort to go out and do things, not just because we live in Minnesota and we've got like 20 minutes of good weather left or whatever. <laughs> That's so um, true. It is so true. Um, it's going to definitely be more difficult in the winter, but we're making a concerted effort to do that. And sometimes it's not even an all day thing. Like I'm not saying like all of Saturday has to be just fun. Some days it, sometimes it is, um, like going away on a short trip or, um, making sure that you're, you know, getting out and doing an activity and following it up with a nice, like a meal somewhere at a restaurant or something like that. But something has to be like, there have to be hours of enjoyable activity in between all of the, the crazy school stuff in order to feel like you actually did get a break. That's totally true. So what is it that you and your wife enjoy doing outside of the classroom? Oh my goodness, what have we done? So we really do enjoy the outdoors, mm-hmm. which again is a, kind of another reason that this whole thing has a, an air of urgency to it because you know it's getting a little bit colder and we've had one or two snows. They haven't stuck around, but it's like you know, old man winter is like, oh yeah, I'm coming. Oh yeah, you know it's 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 like Game of Thrones up here. Winter is coming, and everybody's freaked out. Um, I'm not as far north as you, but we had a little yeah. bit of snow the other day in uh, South Bend when I was up there for a okay. baby shower, and I was like, "Oh, here we go." <laughs> here it comes. Um, yeah, so making sure that we're in taking times outdoors because those are activities that are more difficult—not impossible, but more difficult and less accessible during mm-hmm. the winter months. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely making sure that. Um, that when breaks occur, like larger blocks of breaks in time, that it's it's planned good time. Like for example, um, she took off and had a great weekend with one of her girlfriends, and I was super happy for her to be able to do that because 
I mean, first of all, if there's anybody that deserves a weekend uh, to herself, it's her. But on top of it, it's like I knew that she was going to come back and it was going to feel like there was a big separation because that four day break was going to be chock full of memories and things that she did that she could point to and talk about with enjoyment and say like, you know, this is something I did and now I can go back into it. And it's definitely a little bit hard coming back from a break like that. Oh, like sure. Monday, Monday just looms over you. But mm-hmm. in the long run, I think taking those times and providing those, finding those ways to step away from it all and just kind of say like, this is as far as I'm getting today and I'll pick it up in the morning. That's really, really important. That is. And you're, you're totally right. Um, I really appreciate you bringing that up as something that you and your wife make a priority because even those those singles out there, those teachers that don't have family, you know, that they are they are going home to a dog or an empty home. It's still as important for you to have that time with your friends or just to yourself. I know several teachers that I worked with in the past that that were single or are single and they are working ungodly hours. And not only is that setting you up for failure now because you're going to burn yourself out, but it's setting you up for failure in your future life when you, if you decide to have a girlfriend or a boyfriend or have a family someday, you're going to be used to this lifestyle. And it is extremely difficult to be a teacher and a mom or and a husband or and a wife, you know, and anything. It's hard to yeah. be a teacher and a friend, but friends are just as important as family. So it's really, I'm really glad that you brought that up. And your last point that you wanted to bring to light today was that offer to enter the education part of their lives, but don't insist. I'm curious about what you have to say about this. Yeah. So it it just kind of comes down to, it's like good common sense, like not inserting yourself where you're not wanted or where you don't belong. Because one thing about, we were just talking about kind of transitions nicely with the idea of creating those breaks Mm -hmm. or spaces to do life. You might be the only person they interact with, like your partner might be the only person they interact with. That's not a student or a teacher the entire day. And maybe the last thing they want to do is is like talk shop with you when they get home. Mm -hmm. Um, and especially with me, like it's, it's, there are definitely times when I have been told like, but I've thought I was helping or being like, Oh, tell me about your day. And it's like, this is the last thing I want to talk about right now. Stop trying to coach me. You know, mm-hmm. like, she would do, yeah. like, I'm not one of your teachers. Stop trying to coach me. And it's fine. <laughs> and I, and I absolutely understand that and have, um, that will definitely own those mistakes when I make them. But I think that if in, you can definitely ask. Because I don't think that there's, there's any problem in a gentle ask, but don't uh, like presume to insert yourself in as like, well, I've heard, you know, I heard this podcast and I'm going to ask questions and I'm going to help you debrief your day. And I'm, that may not be what they want at all. They right. may want you to be their not school thing. They may want to hear about your day or like what's going on with you or like, let's talk about real life stuff. That's one thing that another reason why we try to take advantage of our weekends is we find that our weekday is chock full of just work junk a lot of the time. And we're losing times for those important conversations about things like, what do you think we should do to the house? Or should we be saving up money? Or should we go like, should we be making a plan to go see your folks back in Mm -hmm. California during the holidays? And that if we don't find time to get away from school stuff and actually have those conversations, they just don't happen. Um, and then things get missed or things don't happen. And, um, that's another reason why not inserting yourself always into the educational sphere may not be the answer. Um, and so just kind of being cognizant of that, I think, is 
is a good um, piece of advice for folks that are trying to find ways of supporting their 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 teacher, uh, spouse, or partner. Absolutely. Such great advice that you've offered today. What you have to say and the suggestions and advice that you've offered is so, so helpful. And also realizing that you know, all of these different tips that you've given, you know, being flexible within them too, knowing that, you know, most of the time, maybe they don't want to talk shop with you, but maybe sometimes they do. And just, just being receptive of those different things that these, those different, um, emotions that, that we sometimes come home with. And I'll say, uh, my husband is really good at turning it off. He's really good at come. He's a principal and he comes home and he's really good at shutting it off and can, you know, picking up the role of dad and husband and friend and, um, you know, just, and and I'm not, and I'm not even in a classroom setting anymore. No, albeit I do work a lot with educators and education. Mm -hmm. I'm not as great. I'm not naturally good at shutting it off. My brain is consistently working. If I'm not physically working, I could sit and I could sit and work all day. And there are definitely some days where it's easier to be receptive, more receptive to that than others. And I'll totally own that as well. It has not been, this awesome, like melodious kind of, um, partnership all of the time. But, um, and I think that that's important to know too, is that I, you know, I want to be real and say that there are days where I get it completely wrong. And then there are days when I feel like I get it completely right. And well, you are, that's only, a big part. Yeah. you are only, only human, <laughs> right? I know as, right. as much but as the, I try to be something more than that. Right. <laughs> well, I think all teachers try to be more than human. I think that's, you know, where the burnout comes in, but that added benefit of you being in education too really helps you to empathize with her situation. So that's really great. Yeah. We have a couple of minutes. Um, James, I know that you wanted to share a little bit about your innovator project. So will you tell sure. us a little bit about that before you leave us today? Thank you. Yes, I appreciate you letting me put a shameless plug in, um, especially in a way because I, I think part of it is it, we're kind of in, we have similar themes here because I started the project out. My project started kind of in the same vein as yours is just wanting to create resources for teachers that didn't have the time or necessarily felt like they had the expertise to engage in certain classroom practices that they knew were good or beneficial. And so it's kind of another, because in addition to all the other stuff that I do, um, I'm also a volunteer um a volunteer with the National Park Service, and I worked. I worked for uh, California State Parks as a as a volunteer for a long time. So, the project that I'm working on now is um, seeking to connect teachers with educational resources uh, provided by or that take place in um, national and state parks. And so, a lot of what I'm doing is curriculum building. I have a lot of fabulous free curriculum on my way um, that's connected to that that essentially for people. People that are interested in project-based learning, mm-hmm. that are interested in um, the outdoors and want to engage their students with the outdoors or just natural spaces together with this. And um, we just really want people to uh, know about the opportunities there are for learning in spaces like those. But a lot of it is just curriculum design. Teachers can download and use the curriculum for free. Um, they're full projects with step-by-step instructions, everything you need to print out that you can either adapt or just use as the idea and completely throw the rest away. But it really is, we just want to make sure that teachers who are interested in project-based learning and experiential uh, spaces mm-hmm. have resources to go to or get connected with what's already out there because you're already paying the National Park Service to create all of this educational material for you. Right. And you might as well be taking advantage of it because um, it's going to save you. It could also save you from feeling burnt out because you could download the lessons you need. Um, so the, the, the project is called park-based learning and I have, a a bit.ly, which is just, uh, 
bit.ly slash park-based learning, all lowercase, all one word. And um, we're, we're interested in getting connected with people who want to learn more about it. We do a little bit of professional development, but our focus is really just on trying to get curriculum in the hands of teachers that are passionate about parks and outdoor learning. So That is incredible. I know my daughter would be really, really interested in hearing more about that. She loves environmental science. She wants to work mm. with the national <laughs> parks um, in the yeah. future in some capacity. And that is something mm. that she holds very, very near and dear to her heart is just her love for the environment and national. We've, we've traveled to several ourselves as a family and they Fantastic. just, they mean a lot to her. So I'll have to tell her about that, but yeah, we'll definitely put that link yeah. uh, down below in the show notes whenever this, uh, whenever this podcast episode airs. And I'm so glad you, you told us about that. Those are some great resources. Thank you. Yeah. And I really appreciate you letting me share uh, my little project as well. And I was really very excited and pleased to have been a part of yours. So thank you so much. Of course. Anytime. Thank you so much for joining us, James. So as you can probably tell, James and I had this conversation back in the fall, and I've been waiting for the perfect time to release this episode. And I can't think of a more perfect time than when we're talking about trauma in our classrooms and in our lives. Because quite honestly, and I bet you can definitely relate, First year teaching in the United States or anywhere for that matter can be really traumatic. You may feel like you are not prepared for all of the things that could be happening within your classroom and your school. So James had some great advice as a partner of a first year teacher. So here are a couple of takeaways from him. Number one, different people want and need different types of support. Some want to hear ideas on how to solve the problem at hand, and others just need someone to listen and ask questions of them to help them feel heard and understood. Number two, great coaches, mentors, and supporters ask great questions. Although you may want to pour on the support, be sure to take time to listen intently without waiting to speak, something I myself struggle with because I love helping just like James does. <laughs> Number three is expect for shifts in responsibilities that may have been evenly distributed in your home, but may have to rely heavier on you during that quote unquote busy season of school years. A partner, spouse, or significant other who is a teacher will really appreciate sharing the workload with you, even if they don't ask for it. The next one is ask for what you need. Assuming all of the responsibilities on your own is not sustainable. You aren't weak when you ask for help. The next takeaway is make time to process the positive. It's so easy for us to focus on the negative things that happen, especially when we're in groups. Partners, be intentional about the questions that you ask that teacher in your life. Make sure you frame them in a positive way so you can focus on those positive things that happen amidst sometimes what can be a chaotic day at school. The sixth takeaway is to create strong boundaries and keep yourself and your partner accountable for making your life fun outside of work. Make an effort to take time out for hours of enjoyable activities and memories. Building those boundaries between work and your partner's personal life and helping them to look forward to the things that are coming up will help them to be motivated to respect those boundaries and to leave work at work. And finally, being flexible with your spouse and the support that you offer them and when you offer it. You won't get your support right all the time, but show grace to yourself and your spouse as you work through this first year or 25th year of teaching. You being that source of strength and support is what is going to make or break their experience with teaching. 
in addition to, of course, their workplace culture. James also shared a little bit about his innovator project called Park-Based Learning at bit.ly slash park-based learning. He's trying to get curriculum into the hands of teachers who are passionate about national parks and outdoor learning. Now you can have access to this link to his project as well as show notes for this episode and previous episodes of the Burned In Teacher Podcast by going to burnedinteacher.com slash podcast. Until next week, I wish you a career and life full of happiness and fulfillment. You just took another step to become a Burned In Teacher. Burn on. That's it for this week's episode of the Burned In Teacher Podcast. Until next week, take a deep breath. You are your own hero. And you just took another step to becoming a Burned In Teacher. Burn on. If you want to be updated on the latest Burned In Teacher podcast episodes, don't forget to subscribe to the Burned In Teacher podcast on Google Play or iTunes. Also, please consider leaving a review and leave a rating so that other teachers who are feeling the burnout can find this podcast to help them feel supported as they continue their journey out of burnout. Thanks so much.